Welcome to the Grow with Grace podcast. My name is Cindy Van Cleve, and today I am joined with Bobby Tucker, Mignola FFA alumni and the first national FFA president from Texas, where he served with the 1975 to 1976 national officer team. Mr. Tucker, would you please tell me a little bit about yourself, maybe what college you went to and your career? Well, I appreciate the invitation to be here and be part of this. <laughs> I really do. I, uh, when I finished at Mineola High School, I went to what was then East Texas State, it's now Texas A&M in Commerce, for my freshman year, and then transferred to Texas A&M in College Station. Graduated from there with an Aggie degree, but never taught. <laughs> I, I went from there to seminary, and I've been involved in church work ever since then. And so there's been a few little things. I went back to A&M to work on a master's and a doctorate, and uh, worked there in the Department of Student Activities, and then also taught in the leadership area of uh, ag down there and so i enjoyed that immensely but mostly it's been in, in church work i did spend a, a little bit of time in washington dc area working at, as the education director for three international trade associations for refrigerated warehousing and shipping of foods typically work with third world countries so they could better market their products and get them uh, you know to markets other than just local and so it was a, it was a great experience but i then left that came back into church work Retired a little over a year ago and moved back to Mineola. So I'm loving it here. All right. I definitely didn't know any of that. <laughs> so that's the perfect introduction. So I'm going to give a little background information about me as we lead into the and lead into the questions. Okay. So I've never really considered myself like raised in agriculture. My grandparents, they have a farm and a ranch down in South Texas. But I never had any experience with it, aside from maybe going and picking cotton after dinner a couple times. So my first real introduction with ag was my ag classes and through FFA, doing research for projects and listening to guest speakers. So I'm actively learning as I go. What about you? Like, what is your agricultural introduction? Were you involved in it before FFA? How did you get involved? All of the above, really. Probably not a lot different from you, actually. I uh, never lived on a working farm. We lived out in the country for a little bit of my growing up years, but that was before I started school at all. So I was very, very young then. But lived on the edge of Mineola most of my life. I always laughed and told people you could be downtown Mineola, not far from a farm, but I never was really directly involved in agriculture. Once I got into high school, I uh, my freshman year, I was not involved at all. Signed up then my sophomore year to be part of the uh, what was in the DECA program, the distributed education program, where I'd worked part of the day. And uh, it was that summer when I was waiting for my sophomore year to start, I got a phone call from uh, Mr. Dawson. He was in his first year here in Minneapolis. And he invited me to come up and visit with him, Mr. Cole. I thought, what's this all about? <laughs> and uh, so they started talking to me about the FFA program. They were just starting the Ag Co-op program, which was the same kind of thing as a DECA program, but it was in agriculture. And but when they started talking to me about leadership training, about I already knew I was going into the ministry. And so when they started talking about leadership and parliamentary procedure and public speaking, all that, I, thought, I didn't know all that went with ag. <laughs> so I signed up for the sophomore year for Ag One and never looked back. So is that the first year that Mignola had an ag pro ag program? No, it was the first year we had two teachers for oh, the ag okay. program. Mr. Cole had been teaching here for years. In fact, it taught Mr. Dossett when he was in high school. <laughs> and so when they hired Mr. Dossett to come on as the second teacher, it was the first year we had a two-teacher program at Minneapolis. 
And so that was the beginning of that, which meant that they were kind of looking for more students to come in and be part of the program. That's really cool. And now we have four ag teachers here and an eighth grade <laughs> program. So right. we're, we're just growing. <laughs> exactly. So you mentioned like parliamentary procedure and public speaking. Did you ever get involved in leadership development events, career development events, showing any of that? We didn't even break it down into that kind of categories when I was coming <laughs> up through there. The leadership area I definitely did get involved in. My first year was in the uh, Green Hand Chapter Conducted Program. And we had a great team that year. And I was the president of the team. And I cost the team a title at state because <laughs> I messed up royally. <laughs> and so I always felt really bad about that because it was all my fault. I could blame anybody else. Everybody knew it was my fault, but it was really nice about the whole thing. We, but we did make it to state that year. So I couldn't go back and compete in that again. So I went into mm -hmm. farm radio. I don't even know if they still have that. Yes. Not, but we do the radio program. And I also went into public speaking. My first year in public speaking, I don't know that anybody ever really had a public speaker from Minneola. So we really didn't know kind of what direction to go with that. And I got all excited. We didn't have a district competition. We started at area that year. And um, I went to the area contest. There were eight of us, and I got seventh place. <laughs> and I thought, oh, this is going to be great. You know? <laughs> but I went back the next year. And the next year, I kind of knew what to expect. And, and also, Mignola had hired a speech teacher named Pat Penn. And he had two brothers who had been state FA president. They were down from the Lufkin area, and two of his brothers had been state FFA presidents, and so he was very familiar with FFA program. So working with him and Mr. Dawson, I was able to be more prepared that time around. And I actually won the area contest, the state contest, tri-state contest, southern region, and then placed third in the national finals at the convention. That's really cool. I, I it shows that like even if that first time you don't do so well, you can always work your way back up. I tell people that you don't really lose until you quit trying. And uh, everything's a learning experience. And if you let that first defeat stop you, that's your fault. You know, you, you learn from it. Now go back and see if you can do better the next time. So it really does work out that way. Yeah, this was my first year for public speaking, and I've really enjoyed it. I got second in area, so I didn't make Excellent. it to state. But well, like, but still, it first was year. so fun. <laughs> yeah. I really enjoyed it. And I feel like. On our team events, we're growing as a team, and we all are right. together. But when you're doing it by yourself, it's like all of it's on you. It's exactly. Like, Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, were you a chapter, district, area officer before you were a state officer? I was. Uh, it was really interesting because I was only a chapter officer my senior year. I was chapter treasurer. <laughs> uh, my junior year, I was the district president. My senior year, I was area president. And of course, in the first year. I after I finished and graduated, I was state president in the national. There was actually a year gap between my state year and my national year. Mm -hmm. I really hadn't planned on running for national office. And because Texas didn't have a candidate that year, the way they were doing the elections at that time, um, Fred McClure had, was serving as national secretary from Texas. And he got me put on as the chair of the nominating committee at the national convention. So I got to kind of see how that process worked. Texas process was entirely different back then. And so it was a good learning experience for me. And I got to thinking, I wonder if, and it's one of those things that if you don't ever try, you don't ever know. So I came back and talked to Mr. Cole, Mr. Dawson. Mr. Cole didn't think I could really get everything together to do it. 
And I've talked to him. I went home kind of discouraged, but then Mr. Dawson called me on the phone and said, when you're stuck to the house, we're going to go to work. <laughs> and we did, and it worked out great. <laughs> That's really cool. I feel like your whole story, it's like you started from here, but now you're like, you were the first national FFA president from Texas. It's just a testament that no matter, like, even if you don't do well the first time, like you said, you're not right. losing till you stop trying. That's right. I really enjoy hearing that. So what was your state officer experience like? It was a tremendous experience because at the time now, I believe they have two officers to travel. Yes. President, first vice president yes. travel together. We only we traveled by ourselves back then, oh. the state president. So I was on the road most of the time. And uh, they at the convention, after I got elected, they handed me the keys to a car, a credit card, and said, okay, here's your schedule. <laughs> and so I started traveling immediately. And um, it was just a tremendous experience to see the entire state, see the difference in programs according to where you were and things. I always figured everybody did just like Mineola did, not necessarily <laughs> so. And so it was, a, it was a really growing experience for me. You're just basically on your own. As you went into areas, sometimes the area president or the state officer from that area would travel with you on some days. Usually the area president was still in high school, so they couldn't really just take the whole time off and travel with you. But sometimes the state officer would come back from there wherever they were in college and travel with you. That was nice. I think that's part of why they decided to go ahead and go with the two traveling officers rather than just the one. Yeah. I think it's interesting, like the, ch the differences on like just one, like traveling by yourself. I get tired driving down the road. I don't know if I could travel across the state. There were times it was a challenge. And, and the fun thing was finding the ag department when you got to the school. I always tell people to find the school as you came into town, you looked for the football stadium lights. And if you found those, you ought to be somewhere close to the school. And once you got to school, go around back to the Futhers back building, and that was the ag building. <laughs> and it pretty well worked out everywhere I went. <laughs> So what was your national office experience like? Because you were in school, you were in college. How did you have to balance all of that? Actually, I dropped out of school for a year. Just like at, at state, I didn't start college until after my state office yes. year was over with. The national year, I was in the middle of my fall semester when I got elected. I, I said middle, it was in November. And um, I came back and was going to take in completes, but my professor, at the time my academic advisor at A&M, said, no, we don't want you to come back and worry about do, catching up with something. So I've talked to your professors. They're going to give you your finals now, which was actually the week before um, Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. So I had to study and prepare for my final exams at that point. <laughs> Take all of those, then came back to Mineola, which they had a huge surprise reception for me when I came back. It was amazing. It went all by itself. But then I didn't go to school that year. But instead of giving me a car, they gave me a travel agent because <laughs> I flew everywhere I was. And so I visited 42 states and eight foreign countries during my national year. It's the first year that the officers went on a kind of exchange program. And there were four of us off of our team. There were five officers, three off of our team, two off of the team before us that went uh, through England, Switzerland, uh, and into the Soviet Union. And so it was, it was quite the experience for me. But uh, it was a very busy, busy year. I, I tell folks, I think I was gone out, out of the year. I was gone about 250 something days. Wow. Most of it, I could be at home. It was, it was a fascinating experience. <laughs> it really was. I got to meet with the president of the United States yeah. and uh, a lot of dignitaries, the ag industry and things. That year at the National Convention, we actually hosted the first international ag education conference. So we had people from all over the world at our 
national convention that we presided at. That's really cool. So when you were in the foreign countries, were you talking about like FFA or AG, or what were you like doing in there? We were doing some sightseeing and things, but primarily we visit the AG industry areas, mm -hmm. uh, either on the farms. We visit a lot of farms and saw how they did it there. But then also in some of the other areas of AG, AG business and different things, AG science, and uh, and then into some of the schools. So you have to go to some of the schools and see their programs and how they did their AG education programs. So it was, a, it was a great experience. It really was. That's really cool. I didn't know that they got to like go like out of the country. So yeah. that was very interesting. Several years after, the, the team after us also went to the Soviet Union. The year after that, they got into an agreement with Japan. And so there was an exchange that the Japan officers mm -hmm. would come over here and spend time. You know, all the team, the national officer team, would go to Japan and mm -hmm. spend time there. I don't know if that's still happening now or not. If they got some other country to go to. But <laughs> We, we discovered that the international programs were tremendous educational opportunities for our students. So a lot of our kids come from backgrounds where they don't travel. And so to have the opportunity to go and see how they do things in other countries, it's a tremendous growing experience. That's really cool. So I'm also a part of FCCLA, which is, which used to be like future homemakers of right. America. Right. And they have a Japan or they have an exchange program somehow, but so like hearing that, I was like, oh, so there's both things going on. Right. I don't know much about it. I just heard it recently, and I just thought that's really cool that FFA was doing something like that. So they had international like FFA organizations. Well, there was, was, was an international FFA. Yeah. Uh, young farmers was a big thing yes. all over the, the world. So you could visit the young farmers of Germany, the young farmers of Japan, and all that. Uh, not every country actually has ag as a program in their school. Okay. And, and as far as, you know, lower level schools, universities, yes, but in high school and things, a lot of them don't even have those kind of programs in their educational programs, which I think is sad. I think hopefully if there's anything we've been able to do through our international programs is to show them the benefit of the fact that, I think a lot of folks, you know, when they think of ag, they think of sows, cows, and plows, you know, and it's all production, but they don't understand the, the vastness of the ag industry all the different backgrounds and things. And it's obviously, um, it's an academic program. It's not just a work program. It's, a, it's an academic program. That's really cool. I I don't know. I'm learning so much new <laughs> stuff right now. You said you met a president. Could you tell me a little more about what that was like? Well, it was interesting because each year, the, the FFA hosts the State President's Conference in Washington, D.C., and two officers from each state are able to go. Since Texas Convention is, is not until July, they're some of the last ones elected. And so they, they, they get elected, and then two weeks later, they're in Washington, D.C. And uh, the year I was National President, Joe Ford was serving as President of the United States. And uh, they decided, since it was a campaign year, it'd be good to have all the state presidents have their pictures made with the president in the Oval Office. That way, the picture would get in all the papers all over the country, and it was a good kind of advertisement for him. So it was fine. It was a great opportunity for us. Since I was the president, I was last in line because when I took my picture with him, we were supposed to walk out into the Rose Garden. I was supposed to introduce him, like the president needs an introduction. <laughs> I was supposed to introduce him to the crowd, and he was going to speak. Well, while I was waiting in line, to, to go into the Oval Office, there was a door open and I kind of peeked in. Well, it was the, the cabinet room. 
in the White House in the West Wing. I was fascinated by all the things I saw. And Secret Service man who was standing with me said, you want to go inside? I said, can I? He said, yeah, we got time. So when I actually sat in the president's chair in the cabinet room and around that big table, and it was fascinating because when you look at him sitting at the table, you see the table, but underneath that table, all these TV monitors and buttons and all these different things. I'm thinking, this is like being in the cockpit of a jet plane. You know? <laughs> but I finally got to go into the president, shook hands, had the pictures made, all the smiling, the genealogies. And then we started out, but his staff came around and said, wait a minute, there's a problem with the sound system. We've got to get that fixed before you speak. So can you two just hang out in here for a minute? <laughs> it ended up being longer than a minute. And we got to sit down and talk. President Ford was very, very personal. And he didn't like talking about himself. I asked all kinds of questions, but he'd quickly turn around back at me. <laughs> so it kind of became a little game between us to see who could get the other one to answer their questions. <laughs> you know? But we laughed and talked and just had a wonderful visit. And got very personal because he asked me, what field of agriculture I was going to go into for a career. And I said, well, I'm going in the ministry. Time he's, of course, running against Jimmy Carter. And, and, and Carter's, one of his big things was, you know, being a Southern Baptist. And so President Ford said, I'm running against a good Southern. He said, he asked me what denomination I was in. I said, Baptist. And he said, well, I'm running against a good Southern Baptist. <laughs> we both just kind of laughed. And, and But then he shared with me his personal testimony of faith. And he trusted Christ as his personal Savior. Just you talk about a, a wonderful experience of just being able to sit down and have that kind of conversation with the leader of the free world. They finally came and said, We got it fixed. And I hated that. But we had to go out <laughs> and, and be with everybody else. But it was, a, it was a tremendous experience for me. I've had a chance to shake hands, I think, with six different U.S. presidents. And uh, I never shook hands with George W. Bush, <laughs> but I was actually in the Rose Garden with a group from AM taking pictures that I wasn't supposed to be doing. I did anyway, <laughs> and um, we spoke to each other as he walked past. But I didn't shake hands with him. <laughs> there were six of them I shook hands with. That's really cool. I, I couldn't imagine just like sitting in a room with like the leader of a country, and then like hearing his own personal testimony and knowing that yes. your leader, like of your country, had the same beliefs as you. That, exactly. yeah, I really love that. So. Our organization is constantly growing. And so what are some key differences that you've noticed on like FFA students now, what we're doing compared to what you were doing in high school? Because you mentioned that was the first year that they had two yeah, teachers. Four plus a junior high program. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. um, there's a lot of difference. Just in processes and procedures, but a lot in the opportunities that you have in your leadership development programs. I mean, and all the other competitions and things that you have. <laughs> Bells ring. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, of course, the size of the organization. When we get back for reunions and things, some of us old guys that go back to the conventions from time to time, we all laugh and say we'd never get to be officers if we were living now. <laughs> uh, young people are just so sharp. And so, and the thing I love about ag students is the fact that they just, even if at the moment they don't know exactly where they want to go, they've always got a sense of purpose about it. And I, I just see that getting stronger as we go through it. I come back to banquets and things and watch all you guys operate. And it's just fascinating because I'm thinking, like that on the state level, much less on the local <laughs> level. <laughs> but um, 
there's just there's a lot of difference. Like I said, Texas has changed the way they elect their officers and things, and so uh, brought it more in line with the way they do it on national level. So even that process continues to change. It's just very different, <laughs> but good difference. Yes. So I think I feel like we can both agree that on. While there are so many differences and changes and there's been so much growth within the industry, our jackets still have the same meaning. We're still students who are coming together in the same blue corduroy jackets. I hear people say it all the time. It's good. It was like I never felt like I belonged until I put on my jacket and saw other people wearing the same thing as me. Mm -hmm. And something that came to mind as I was preparing for this was there's a Live Like Johnny organization, which is where they provide jackets for students as like a scholarship type of thing and Mr. Aaron Alejandro he's one of the board members I think and it was he said the jacket levels the playing field when you zip it up no one knows your background your social status or popularity they see that you belong the legacy of the jacket doesn't rest in corduroy it's the actions who take who take on responsibility of wearing it so I feel like even though we've all like there's been so many changes We're all still advocating for agriculture and standing yeah. for one true thing. So I really love that. That yes. we're still here as FFA members saying the same creed. There, while there's been so many changes, our core values haven't. That's right. That's right. We change a little bit of the a few words here and there, but the idea of the core values, the things we believe in as ag students, as FFA members, mm-hmm. that never changed. That's the common bond, no matter how old we are, no matter how long it's been since we've been a part of the organization, it still brings us together. That's one reason why I love it so much. You bet. (laughs) That's great. So I'm trying to see if I have anything else that I missed. (laughs) (laughs) That's fine. I think that was about it. I really enjoyed this conversation. Well, I definitely enjoyed visiting with you, Sydney, and appreciate the opportunity to be part of this. Thank you. I know a lot of students will find a, a lot of value in all that you said, so I really appreciate it. Thank you. Very <laughs> Thank much. you for joining us.